What's up, everyone? Welcome to Overexposed. I'm Philip Lemons. I'm an amateur photographer and the community manager at Schatzer, a global network of photographers and a responsive image library. This week, I spoke with Davey Gravy, a professional photographer and influencer from Calgary. Hope you enjoy. What was the, what's the hardest lesson that you've learned um, on your journey as a photographer? Um, I mean, there's no... There's no guidebook as far as I found for how to become a photographer. And especially nowadays when anybody can pick up a phone and start taking photos. So, I mean, I've had a lot of challenges with trying to set up a business and get a tax number and where do I find work and am I going to make my rent next month? But like, um, the, some problems that I've encountered that have stuck out have been, you know, like losing photos, getting gear stolen, having my car broken into. Um, and that stuff's really tough because you can't plan for it and you never know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. So yeah. I've had memory cards break. I've had hard drives drop. It's just part of life. And through that, I've learned you got to back up your stuff. You've got to, yeah, yeah you got to take the proper precautions. Yeah, that's something I hear a lot from wedding photographers because you you can't go back and reshoot a wedding. No, you definitely can't. So how how long have you been into photography now? I know you didn't start, um, you didn't immediately get into photography in college. Have you been into photography for five years now? Is that right? Or uh, it was about I think it was twenty fourteen. So it was yeah about four four ish years that I've been. Okay. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, in college, I took. I, I knew coming out of high school, I didn't want to do something. Alberta is really big for the trades and oil and a lot of office jobs, but mm-hmm. I, I knew I didn't want to do something in that. So I figured I want to do something creative. I don't know what that would be. So I, I went to art school and I thought I was going to do graphic design, and I thought movies were like designing movies or logos or something along those lines. And I found that was a lot of work and maybe not what I was into. So I took kind of a general degree and I, I went into drawing, which was pretty general. And for my last two years, I got into textiles and collaging and stuff like that. And I did, I really, really enjoyed that, but I still, it was, I found it kind of tough to make a living at it. And, um, I came across photography and prior to that, I, I, th- I thought photography was kind of silly and all I'd seen about photography was, you know, like telephoto photos of um, animals up close fighting or like the, a black and white photo with a yellow umbrella or something. And that really mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah, cliche kind of photography very stock photo kind of stuff. And so I never really latched onto it. And then I just met a bunch of people that were doing it really cool. And so I, I got involved that way. Okay. Did you originally anticipate that the, your original mediums back in college, like the, the cross stitching mm-hmm. um, and that stuff would be your career path or did you always was that your original goal was to focus on that? And then photography, like you mentioned, just kind of popped in there. Um, or were you, was that something that you never planned on um, making a long-term career? I mean, I, 
I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I just knew experimenting and trying stuff and being out there was working for me. I, they told us a stat in art school that like, I think it was like 5% of the people that graduate aren't even going to be doing artwork in five years. And for like, right after I graduated, there was only a, f- right away out of my graduating class of like 30 people, I think like three of us were still doing stuff a year later. So I was, I was really pushing to do cross stitching. Um, at the time I was doing, I was cross stitch. Cross stitching is like textile work. You see your grandma doing it. And, uh, it's, it's kind of like that home sweet home, really olden kind of style stuff. And I really liked it cause it was a, uh, process-based work. And, mm-hmm. um, I used what I was really interested in as imagery and that was hip hop. So I was creating, um, portraits. I, I'd make a design of a portrait of one of my favorite rappers or one of the, some lyrics that they would say and juxtapose like the hip hop new kind of current culture with a old fashioned kind of spin on it. And so at the time it was, there's, there's actually a few people doing it now still, and they're doing really well at it. But at the time I hadn't seen anybody doing that kind of work. There's a few people, but, um, it, it, it went off really well. And so I sold a lot of work doing that. I had art shows. I, one of, one of the biggest people who purchased my pieces was actually Skrillex, the DJ. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty wild. He, he got wind of it and he bought, I think he bought a few pieces. And then like shortly after I was featured on Buzzfeed for an article and it was going well, but then photography just came out of nowhere and swallowed my whole life up and, that that was kind of the end of that so two things kind of jump out at me there so only only a couple of your classmates are still in the arts on a on a day-to-day basis you said from what i can Um, tell yeah i mean i can't it's hard to keep up with them even like yeah there's they're yeah i don't know they're not really doing art do you think that the i mean on one sense i feel like arts as a whole have become more accessible um do you think it's more difficult to make a living doing something in the arts um i guess that just kind of surprises me that the number is that low agreed i i think it is difficult it's more difficult um i think it kind of depends the strategy you take to do it i found even when i was in art school they weren't, there wasn't a class or a, a clear cut way of this is how you're going to make money. A lot of it was, um, make work, spend a lot of money on supplies and making stuff and then mm-hmm. maybe hopefully show it and talk the talk and walk the walk and then sell it and make your money that way or apply for a grant, um, or apply for a big chunk of money for somebody to fund you to keep making work. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like I want to make current cool stuff that is accessible and not like thousands of dollars that I can get into people's hands and um, spread my work kind of that way, more of a gorilla approach. Um, um, But yeah, I do think it's kind of difficult. Like thankfully Calgary and, and even Canada is really supportive of uh, young artists, young artists and um, just artists in general. So they've been, they promote you and stuff, but I don't know. I, I think it is more difficult, especially when you're doing artwork that isn't tactile or you can't hang it on your wall. Like if it's a, 
an experience or an installation or a theater project or a huge painting, like it's a little more difficult to pay your rent with that. You got to get a little more creative. Yeah, absolutely. So photography has filled that gap for you. It's allowed you to continue um, in the art space and make a living doing so. And you mentioned that your first experience with photography was seeing a lot of like stock photography, um, mm-hmm. that kind of style. So what, what really made the, what, what clicked for you with photography, um, where it became something that you were more interested in and it didn't seem so cliche or uninteresting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a friend of mine, uh, introduced me to a friend of uh, a friend of mine introduced me to a guy named Scott Backen, and he he had this idea that um, all, there's a lot of people doing creative stuff all over the world, and they're posting it online. And he had this idea that what if we can connect all these people and just kind of get these creative minds rubbing up against each other? And so he had this idea of gathering everybody. So he he gathered a bunch of people. Um, and said like, this is my idea. I don't really know what to do. And we'd met a couple times and he was like, I think the first step would be to kind of have, um, I can't remember if it was a hashtag or a conference, but he, he did organize a conference and he, all these people from all over the world, um, came and gathered in Calgary and, uh, not everybody even knew what they were coming for. They just, they just felt this connection to each other and even a bunch of them were following each other on Instagram and they got to meet each other in real life. And I, I had no idea what was going on and I was not interested in photography. I was not, I was like, nobody's going to come. Why would anybody come to Calgary? Like this place is just whatever. And <laughs> honestly, like, like it, I don't know what we offer. <laughs> I have no idea. I've been here my whole life. So I'm a little biased. But, yeah. Um, um people came from there was like 150 or 300 people i can't remember so many people and uh immediately i i just met some really neat people just like me and spent a couple days with them and just watched how they it was just really neat to hear what they were talking about and the music they were into and the photos that they took on their phones and they were just making my city and my landscape and everything around me just look very cool and appealing just using their iPhone. And I was like, this is not fair. Like I live here and you guys just are approaching it with a new eye and I want to learn how to do that. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where it started for me. I had like a hunger and a passion to just create something tactile right in front of me, like out of nothing. How long, how long was the transition period for you? from when you were um, still kind of dabbling in the mediums that you had established in school to being like photography is going to be my full-time focus and I'm going to try and make a career out of this. I mean, it was the transition from like doing cross-stitching and making like traditional kind of artwork to photography was pretty quick. Like I'd say as soon as I met those people and got plugged into like that kind of community. It was like instant. It just grabbed my attention so quickly. Um, like I pretty much just 
uh, what's the word? Um, just like stopped immediately and started doing photography on my phone right away. And not for money, just for like hanging out with people. To explore and explore the medium. Yeah. Yeah. Figuring out what it's all about. And it was just so cool. Um, and then the time from when I picked up my iPhone four camera to the time that I started doing it full time was, well, it was from, uh, May, 2014 until August, 2017. So however long wow. that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So did, was that conference? Am I, um, is that SoCality? How do you pronounce it? SoCality. It stands for. Was that, was that conference the beginning of that kind of group slash online community? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Scott had the idea in January of 2014, and then he he executed it and got it live out to everybody in May 2014. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. And yeah. it's still it's still going strong. And you guys now kind of give me a, a little brief overview on what it has become now. You're you're somewhat involved in it, is that correct? Yeah, I mean I do as much as I can to help out with it. Um it's going through some changes and it's it's constantly evolving. But basically at the core, it's just trying to con- it's socality stands for social community for all eternity. So it's connecting um the goal is to connect creatives from all over the world and bring them to one space online and in person, uh, a safe community that's positive and encouraging and creative. Um, so it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but, um, yeah, it's great. I've met so many of my friends through that and yeah. Creating a space that kind of allows you to do what you did, that transformation from kind of exploring a, a new medium to full on, making it your career. Absolutely. Like if I didn't meet these other people, like, I don't know, I'd be doing something completely different with my life right now. So like, so Cality in the past, I'm not sure where it's going moving forward, but um, they've hosted conferences, camps, kind of just casual meetups, even just um, saying, come to the spot. We just want to hang out and let's just do something and just meet other people in your community. And it's crazy. There's a really overwhelming support for it like people drive hours and stuff just to come meet other people just like them that's awesome so when you were when you were kind of in that transition phase um becoming a photographer how did you how did you promote yourself um and you know how did you get over kind of that feeling of like vulnerability when you're moving from something that that meet cross stitching where you're really experienced um to a completely new kind of scary thing that is photography. Um, did that evoke like feelings of vulnerability for you? Yeah, I think, I think it definitely did. Um, especially when I did, it did come to the point that I did quit my job. I thought, man, what am I doing? I might've made, I, I think I just made the biggest mistake of my life. Um, but thank, thankfully there was like kind of a safety net around me in the time from when I did first pick up a camera to it did come to that point where I had the option to quit my job. It was, there was a lot of support from people, a lot of support from companies, a lot of support from my parents, a lot of support from friends and, and other people doing similar stuff to me. So a lot of people around me did, I, I watched them make that transition from 
shooting casually to to making it a full time gig. And they they did really encourage me to to make that step because at the time I was especially that year leading up to when I decided to do it full time, um, there was a lot of work coming in and it started taking over all my free time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it did take up probably 70% of my free time. So, and, and it did gradually grow. It would be one job a week to like two jobs a week to a bigger job to, to the point where I was like, now's the time. So yeah, I mean that jump to doing it full time was tough, especially just thinking, wow, I'm not going to make that couple thousand bucks a month for just showing up at my job. Now I really have to work for it. And the stakes are high now. So that community really played a key role. Absolutely. What role did, how, how influential was Instagram, um, in that process of kind of initially sharing your work, um, and then developing the Instagram following that you have now? Um, I'd like to say it's, I don't think I'd be where I am today without it. Um, it's in my opinion, it's been like the most, one of the most popular mediums. Um, so I think if I just had a website, I don't think I would be discovered or plugged in with people. And, um, yeah, it's been pretty key, I'd say. So what kind of going off of that, you know, you, you have a, you have a pretty large following on Instagram, now, um, what, what misconceptions are there in the general photography community kind of about being an influencer, if you will, and having that, um, that following on Instagram, because I I feel like that is really what a lot of photographers are now aspiring to. Um, and I, I'd love to hear your take on both the, the positives and the negatives, um, of kind of living, having your career so tied to, um, this platform. Right. Um, I think some of the challenges, some, some people assume, I don't think I've got it, but I've seen people who have like hundreds of thousands of followers and I'm like, wow, they're doing fine. They're making so much money, but Mm -hmm. really just a number beside your name online doesn't actually mean you're, you're making any sort of money. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd say that's definitely one misconception. Um, I think another would be that just because you have a large number beside your name means you can shoot any type of photography. Like I've got requests to shoot headshots and weddings and baby engagements. And thankfully I've like, I've done my best to learn how to shoot those kind of things, but I don't know why people would be even asking me to shoot that based on the kind of stuff that I do curate for my online feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, what would you recommend to a new photographer um, that's maybe just kind of entering the space then as to, would you recommend sticking solely to kind of the one area that you're best at? Or it sounds like you've kind of dabbled um in other areas of photography as requests have come in, even though it's not really your niche. Yeah. I mean, I've, I guess it's kind of your trying to figure out what you want from the medium or why you're putting that stuff out there. If you want to just get, um, 
really popular on Instagram, mm -hmm. the easiest way is just to be very generic and post post what everybody else is posting. Yep. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't encourage that. I think, I think the best thing that somebody can do to grow a following or find your voice is to shoot what you love or post what you love or, um, yeah, just promote the kind of stuff that you enjoy or love online. Um, and people will find there's other people out there that are like you and just they'll find you and they'll be attracted to that kind of stuff. Um, I've seen so many people shoot really specific types of stuff and then all of a sudden overnight they, they blow up and that becomes like the popular kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, just be you and do you. And um, if possible, if you can kind of find your niche, whether that's like shooting dogs or um, reporting on the weather or anything, uh -huh. whatever it is, just stick to that and be you and take chances, try different stuff, try different. Yeah. Like figure out other stuff that you want to shoot. Um, you never know like what, uh, what you're missing out on because you're so focused on just one thing. Totally. So you're, I, I love your style um, on Instagram and we, we talked a little bit about this, but I can like almost always, even though there's a lot of um, adventure photography on Instagram, if I see one of your images, I can generally pick it out. Um, how did, how did you develop that style? Was it just kind of following what you were passionate about shooting um, and posting that and over time it just developed or was it a really conscious um, thing of like, I, I really want to go and today shoot this exact photo on this hike, kind of cr creating a shot list for yourself that would help you develop that style or was it more natural? I wish I had like a clear guideline. Like, I mean, I, I still feel like I'm trying to, I think it'll be a constant evolution of where I'm going. I, I still feel, don't feel like I have a style, but I've heard from so many people that they're like, yeah, I can pick your images out. But, um, I think it, I've been influenced by the, the people I spend time with. Um, and definitely the landscape that I'm in, like I'm, I live about an hour from the Rocky mountains. So mm -hmm. I like to visit there often. And, and I learning how to use a camera. I spent a lot of time there. So that kind of dictated how I would frame my shots, how I would, um, what times I would go shoot, um, what lenses I would shoot with and become comfortable with. So I definitely think those things helped me with that. Um, I've learned a lot. Of, like I said, I've tried shooting other stuff, like shooting nightclub photography and shooting weddings and trying video. And that type of stuff is also dictated how I, how I view the world. And how so? how um, like I found with, um, I found with Instagram, just shooting photos for Instagram, um, the most ideal ideal way to frame up a photo would be to turn your camera uh, vertical and shoot yeah. shoot so it takes up more space on your Instagram feed. But mm -hmm. that doesn't always dictate the best photo. So I found with uh, doing video, holding your photo – or sorry, holding your camera landscape um, – is actually fun and it, it, it just creates a completely different mood. Um, and so I've tried my hand at that. And a lot of times too, with, um, uh, video, a cinematic look is very like a super close up of a face or a hand or a detail. Um, 
can also help tell a story versus just a a uh, a really wide photo of somebody in the mountains. So I've tried to incorporate um, elements from um, cinematography and a bunch of the other stuff that I've I've learned along the way into my personal photography. It, it might not always end up on Instagram being shown, but it definitely helps me um, create and tell a story. Yeah, absolutely. So you really, in a, what if you're shooting for Instagram, that changes the way that you're looking at your surroundings when you're on that hike. Um, cause you're thinking about everything in like a f- five by four crop, um, exactly. as opposed to being able to shoot a nice wide landscape. So I guess maybe revisiting old spots, even with just a different intention in mind can provide that oh, fresh perspective. Agreed. And, and I do know that, and I've been guilty of just only picking up my camera when I think something's going to get a bunch of likes or get a lot of attention when I've, I've had to challenge myself that what am I shooting for? Am I shooting to grow as a creative and try something new? Or am I just taking a photo for, to just get an applause? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So how, how, when you started, uh, kind of dabbling in adventure photography, were you lugging your whole kit um, on these hikes where you take multiple lenses or what, what's your kind of go-to setup when you're headed out on a longer hike, but you still want to capture some of those photos? Um, I've always tried to carry as little gear as possible. And because of that, like I've gravitated towards using the Sony cameras because they're so small, they're so light. Um, they're really expensive, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, they, yeah, I usually just try to use as little as possible. So in the past, um, yeah, I kind of just stick to a wider lens and then a portrait lens. So whether that's like a 16 to 35 mm-hmm. and then use a 50 millimeter. I mean, you can get almost everything with that. I, f- I find if I do go on a, if, if I'm going somewhere where I don't know what there, what's going to be there, I try to take everything like the full focal range so that I can, you know, I get, I get to a spot and realize, ah, oh, shoot, I, I needed a long lens for that. Or yeah. this is a lot closer than I thought it was. I, I needed my wide lens. And, um, yeah, I, I would rather carry around a bunch of stuff and make my back hurt than miss a shot, to mm-hmm. be honest. So, yeah, it's not as simple as just taking one lens and your camera body and hoping for the best. Yeah. But generally, two lenses will get it done for you. Generally, yeah. When did you make the get switch some to Sony? I made the switch... Um, you know, I can't remember. It was about two and a half years ago, I think. Um, I I started. What did you shooting start shooting after your iPhone? iPhone. I a friend challenged me to pick up a camera, and I thought, no, this is ridiculous. I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to use it even. I don't know how to. It's not touchscreen, so I I used a Fuji XT one, okay. I think, for a for about six months. And then I kind of outgrew the, there, there's some limitations with the camera being a crop sensor mm-hmm. and uh, it's not great with low light and so on. And the video, the video is not great on it. So 
had that for six months and then I got a A7R and then I had that for a couple months and then I just got a secondhand um, A7R2 and that's what I've been using ever since. And I've had that camera for, yeah, I'd say at least two, two and a half years. Awesome. And it served you well. It looks yeah, like it been, served you well. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, I really enjoy working with the Sony stuff. And how does, uh, I'm curious, I I just had uh, another contributor, Stanley Siglov, on the podcast, um, and I asked him a similar question, but I'm curious how your, what your wife thinks of you shooting on hikes and um, on vacations and all this stuff. Does it, is it, is she totally into it or is it more of a, a nuisance, you know, the fact that you're carrying 20 pounds of camera gear whenever you go on a, on a hike? Totally. Um, it's, she's been very receptive and very positive about it. And, and in the meantime, she's, you know, it's, it's helped us travel and it's, it's actually gotten us a lot of places or caused a reason for us to go visit some of these places. So she's really, she's really for it. And it's, I mean, our favorite times to go shoot are sunrise and sunset. So we Mm -hmm. will wake up early and we actually get to see a beautiful sunrise, hopefully, or a beautiful sunset. So we are only shooting um, for like maybe an hour or so a day. And then the rest of the day, we're getting, getting to enjoy or travel around and visit the spots that we are. So yeah, she's been super positive about it and very encouraging. And yeah, it's awesome. So what's, uh, what's your, what's been your favorite place to shoot? I know that you guys love Montana. Um, you have a lot of great outdoor spots with the Rockies in your backyard up in Calgary. Um, but you've also visited New York, Australia, um, Sydney, what's, what's been one of your favorite spots? Um, there's been a lot. I mean, I've really enjoyed New York for like the si- the sheer size of it and the amount of people and uh, the buildings there. It's been incredible. I've also really enjoyed Israel. Um, I've been there twice now. And I mean, I thought the Middle East would look completely different than how it is. And such a diverse landscape with such a diverse group of individuals there. That's been really fun and eye-opening. Um, I really... I mean, I've been blessed that I live so close to the mountains, but I really enjoy the coast and the stuff like that. So I, I got the opportunity to visit Tahiti last year, and that was just crazy being on the ocean, taking photo and video underwater, mm-hmm. um, droning kind of wherever you want, um, just seeing new stuff. Um, I really just love visiting places that – like, I don't know what's going to happen and just seeing stuff that I'm not used to. Like right now I'm, I don't even, I mean, I love visiting the mountains. They're so beautiful and they do get me really excited, but I'd, I'd rather drive somewhere that I haven't been to experience something new. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you talked about how, you know, when you went to that first conference, you couldn't figure out why somebody would want to come to Calgary. Um, <laughs> But they do they do have a, a great creative community out there. Could you ever picture leaving um, Calgary, moving somewhere else, maybe maybe to the coast or something? Or is Calgary going to be the long-term home? I don't know. I mean, it's I really love Calgary. It's a bit – from what I understand, it's kind of like Denver. Like it's, it's like a big 
uh, it's a big city. Like it's a million, 1.3 million, 1.4 million people, but it's got a small town feel that it's very walkable. It's commuting around here is great. Um, and the accessibility to all of the stuff around us is awesome. So, and I mean, I've lived here for my whole life, so it does, it does feel like home. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. I, I don't see myself moving anywhere anytime soon, but I mean, the options are open. I, I love seeing new stuff and experiencing new cultures. So it's not, it's, it's possible, Yeah, but, but we, we really do love it here in Calgary. Yeah. I, I've never been up there, but I've heard, I've, I've heard from other people as well that it's similar to Denver. Um, and I've heard it's a pretty cool, cool little spot. Oh yeah. So we talked about, um, kind of your experience on Instagram that bringing you in a lot of business, um, your experience getting started as a photographer, moving from iPhone to beginner cameras to, um, where you're at now. When you were first getting started, though, what do you think was the most influential thing in actually starting to get paid work as a photographer? Like if you if you were at one of those um, so quality events, did I say that right? So quality, so close, close enough. Uh, enough. (laughs) If you were at one of those events and someone was just getting started in photography, what? How would you suggest that they start actually working as a photographer? Um, honestly, I think the biggest thing would be surrounding yourself with similar people to you, people who are, I mean, if you want to make it surround yourself with driven people, people who have ideas and crazy things that they want to do and are the kind of people who are going to wake up early and try those things and hustle and make mistakes and just make stuff happen. I think I was fortunate enough to be around People like that, people with big ideas, people who will drive five hours at five in the morning to go get a single photo. People who aren't afraid to send like a, a cold email to someone and it just worked. I honestly don't think I'd be where I'd be if it wasn't for those around me. And a lot of them blazed the trail for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have to do with the gear I had. It didn't have to do with where I specifically lived. Um, it was, I, I do think it was the people around me and wanting to do want, just wanting to be creative and try new stuff and make mistakes. Um, yeah, I honestly think that's what it would be. Well, that's a, that honestly, that's a great tip. You gotta, you gotta put in the work, but even outside of that, you gotta be surrounded with people where it's gonna, positive things are going to happen when you put in the work. Totally. Yeah. And that's a good point. You do have to put in the work. Like I shot on my phone or just even shooting, like I didn't get paid for two years. I mean, that's, I think it's a lot easier to get paid for whatever you're passionate about now. But I mean, I was also very passionate about what I was doing and would go do this stuff, whether people wanted to join me or not. And the passion has now finally paid off. Um, It definitely takes it's that 10,000 hour rule. Yep. I think I don't, I'm at 10,000 hours yet, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm work, trying to work like eight to 10 hours every day getting there. Yeah, that's great. Um, so when, did you ever work for free when you were just getting started when you were in that transition phase? I, did. I know that yeah. you did. And would you recommend that to, 
to people that are just getting started? Or do you think that that's not a good uh, path to get your feet under you? Um, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it kind of depends what you want to do, what level of skill you're at, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I just cause I have a camera doesn't mean I could shoot great photos in my opinion. Like I was very unsure of my work and very unconfident with it. Um, and yeah, I did a lot of stuff for free or in exchange for stuff, but on the other side, you got to be careful of the companies and the, whoever it is asking you to work for free. Mm -hmm. Um, you just don't want to, it's, it really comes down to time too. Um, it takes a while to, it takes time to go make a good photo or to make something happen. And, um, you got to value your time. So yeah, I I've done tons of work for free and I still occasionally do work for free for people that I'm passionate about or, really believe in their idea, but, um, it, it's a good way to get your foot in the door. It's a, I mean, I've done a lot of even tourists, tourism kind of gigs where they're like, yeah, we can't pay you to come here, but we're also going to cover your flight, cover all your meals while you're here, cover, um, your accommodations and the stuff that you weren't going to see otherwise. And I've been okay with that. Cause a lot of times in life too, life isn't just about making money it's about experiencing life enjoying it with the people around you mm-hmm. uh, yeah like yeah just because i have a number a, a big number with a k beside my name on instagram too doesn't mean i should get paid for everything or i should get everything for free like i've had i've had to pay for a lot of experiences that i've just wanted to do and i've happened to get cool photos out of them but yeah absolutely that's that's good mm-hmm. perspective though. It's a balance, you know, um, with the right opportunities and the right people, and making sure you're not getting taken advantage of, but that you're also learning or getting a cool experience out of it. Absolutely. So thanks thanks for chatting. Um, I think we've we've covered a, a good amount of stuff, but I always like to end um, each podcast with just kind of a in a, a general question. It doesn't have to be about photography. But what's what's making you happy um, as of late? I know you just got married, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast. Um, so I'm sure that's making you happy. Anything else? I mean, that's the big thing right now. Like, just I've had a lot of changes in the past kind of three, four months. Like, I've I moved out of the place I was living before, so moved into a new place with my new wife, and um, so like a change of scenery. It's been awesome. The new place has been it just made me think differently, keeps me hustling. Um, I'm really close to downtown, like within walking distance. So that's been really awesome. Um, my wife works a, she works for a school, so she has summers off. So and we've been able to spend a lot of time together this summer. Uh, we've taken a couple trips together and it's just been really encouraging and fun and inspiring to just do something with somebody you love and, and not have to worry about, um, going back to work on Monday. Well, I mean, she goes back in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, having a nice, a nice couple month break. Yeah. It's, we it feels like we've been living in like a dream world kind of for the past little bit. So, I mean, that's been making me really happy lately, to be honest. That's awesome. Well, congratulations to you guys. Um, I hope Mexico was a blast. I saw that on Instagram. 
It was. That was our uh, little honeymoon. Perfect. Well, it looked like it looked like a lot of fun. But thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast and chat for a little bit. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, Shotzer's been awesome. So really cool that we got to talk about it here. Yeah. Just where can people find you? Where uh, they can find you at Davy Gravy um, on Instagram. Um, any websites or any cool projects you want to talk about before we wrap up? Uh, I guess on. You can check out my website, davygravy.ca. There's, um, I've got a Vimeo account. I don't update all my stuff there all the time. And some of my favorite videos are for other, other companies. So they're not shared on there yet, but, uh, you can find me on Vimeo, Davy Gravy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cool. Just come find me. Come say hi. Awesome. Well, uh, check them out. Davy Gravy, no E in the gravy. That's, is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. Cool, Dave. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening in. Go check out Dave's work and please subscribe to Overexposed if you want to continue hearing stories from creators like Dave.